This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, we're very excited to announce our Shabbaton. Shabbaton. Whoever's been there before knows that it's unbelievable. Whoever's not been there before, it's unbelievable. So you're all invited. you got to call either 718-OHR, O-H-R, N-A-A-V. That's our phone number in the office. Um, if you want to, and you could ask them how to set up the tickets and set up everything. The, if you want to go online, it's info at ornava.com or www.ornava.com. Anyway, this is the, uh, this is the ad break free. That's what we're going, we're going to talk about. Breaking free from your, not yourself. We don't want to from your Yetzirah. That's part of Yetzirah. So, right. So anyway, 13th Shabbos and Inspiration. It's our Bar Mitzvah year. This is our Bar Mitzvah year. It's our 13th year of Menger Shabbaton. It's our Bar Mitzvah this year. January 4th through 6th, Pashas Vayera, Stanford Crown Plaza. We have Yoni Zima to Shabbos with Joey Newcomb, Richter Catering. We have Rabbi Epstein, Rabbi Friedman, Rabbi Grossberg, Charlie Harari, Ruben Abragamov, Eliezer Krohn, Label Lamb, Ezra Max, Mordechai Tversky, Zachariah Wallstein, Jackie Bitone, Nalini Abragamov, Malky Wallerstein. If that's not enough, we'll get you more. But anyway, so everyone, zoom in on the camera. That's his son. That's a Pesach. Yes, right. Pesach's son. Right, Pesach's son. Yeah, we only have very good speakers. <laughs> zoom in, zoom in. And everyone's watching. We want everyone to come. Girls, married couples. The only one that can't, only one that's not invited is any boy over 13. Stay home. Anyway, we, the boys over 13, they go, they go to yeshiva and learn. We don't want them on a grill Shabbaton. We like you guys, but not on the Shabbaton. So, okay, listen, we might, we'll, maybe we'll bring that one, we'll bring that one, maybe one of the Rebbeim has a son that's, you know, maybe, who knows. All right. Let's talk about, before we go to Pashat Yeshev, let's talk about Hanukkah. Hanukkah starts Sunday night. I'm sure you're all very excited. The major problem is Hanukkah, you know that. The major problem across America. Toys R Us is closed. <laughs> what are we going to do? Where are we going to get our toys? We can't go online because the Chachshon don't have a computer. And we don't have an iPhone. So how are we going to get our toys? Toys are you. Toys are you. I'm, I'm not advertising. I can't advertise. Why don't you advertise me, right? We'll find a place. Anyway, you can always buy them a safer. The kids are not too happy about that. Yeah. Rabbi you know, book. And there's... Bunnim and you know fathers and sons would go to learn Shabbos night. Right. Everybody said, "Where'd you get it? Where'd you get it?" See, that okay. Why your kids are safer? I don't think the kids are going to be happy. I just said that. Anyway, um, okay. Let's talk about. There's a special prayer that we all say in benching and we all say in Shmon Esrei on Hanukkah and on Purim. What is that called? Va'al Hanisim. Now, Nisim is plural, right? On the miracles. So, that happened then, that's happening now. What are the Nisim of Hanukkah? Now, let's go through this very carefully. In the days of Matis the son of Yechen, he was the Kohen Gadol. When the Greeks got up, Harasha, these Risham, to attack Israel, to make them forget their Torah. 
Is that true? Did they make us forget our Torah or did they make us not learn our Torah? You can't forget something you never learned. So, what? Okay, so they let them learn it, but they don't let them practice it? So the truth is, yes, the Greeks were very into studying. So they said, yes, you could study Judaism, and you could study Zeus and Venus and Hercules and every religion you want to study as a subject. As a subject. But they knew the secret. That if you learn something as a subject, what happens? You forget it. But if you learn Torah as a life, as a life, part of your life, they teach you how to live, you will not forget it. So the Greeks came, came up with a system that is still alive today. And that is why I believe very much we are struggling in our Yiddishkeit in this generation. They came up with competition. They came up with the idea, Baruch Amen. They didn't come up with that idea. They came up with an idea that you have Olympics. The Greeks created the Olympics. And you have a race. And there's only one winner. And the rest are losers. Terrible thing they did, the Greeks. They brought to us. That everything's competition. So you could practice your whole life. And in the competition, you jump off the bar and you step back one eight millionth of an inch and you lose two two-tenths of a point and you don't get a medal and no one will ever know your name. The only one that we know is the gold medal. They put you on the Cheerio box. They put you on the Wheaties box. You're in Time magazine. But the one that came in, the bronze and the silver, even they don't make it. But the ones that, there's only three, but there's a hundred people running every race and there's only three people that get medals. That was their thing. Their thing is competition. Before that, it wasn't a deal of competition. It was in the Torah, you will never find competition except in one place. You ever learn about competition in the Torah? Anybody had a race? Anybody had a race? One time there was a competition. In the base of Migdash, <coughs> they had uh, something called Trumas Adeshen, which was the, the ashes of, of the Karbatas to take them off. And whoever did that would become very rich. And who, which coin get to, deserve to do that? So they had a race up the ramp. First coin to get to the, to the thing, he, he got the job. So the first time they had the race, this guy was, these two guys were running up. They were neck to neck. And this guy was like, you're not getting it. And he pushed him off the Mizbeach. And he broke his leg. And a coin, once he breaks a leg, he has a mum. He can't do the Avaidah. So the rabbi said, this, this, by Jews, this is no good. Competition is no good. So then they started choosing odds and, e- odds and evens. It came from the base of English. Two and one, two and one, odds and evens. That's where it started. So we don't do good with competition. The Greeks said, if we could get the Jews to learn the Torah, but as a subject, we know they're going to forget everything that they learn. If it's not a life course, but it's a subject. So that's when Torah started to become a subject. So they put in this competition, which is, does not work, has never worked, will never work. And I hope, you know, that the yeshivas that are listening to my share and the principals don't get angry that I'm saying this. The system is broken and it cannot work. And I've been a Rebbe for 40 years and it doesn't work. Why? Okay, so I have 25 boys in my class. Every boy in my class has a different IQ. One guy is 145, one guy is 95. 
One guy has a fantastic memory, photographic memory, and the other one doesn't have a photograph, or he does, but it never developed. Ha ha. Right? He doesn't have a photographic memory. And he doesn't remember anything. His mother has to sew his name in the back of his jacket. And every once in a while he has to look at it. Oh, that's me. He has no memory. One kid is brilliant. No, he doesn't need special ed. He's not, he doesn't remember. I'm, I'm saying it as a joke, but he's, there are guys that look at a plastic, they'll never forget it. There are guys that have to, they, have to, they have to read it 20 times. So doesn't need, that doesn't mean he needs special ed. That's, his, that's how he's born. And another kid comes from the best house. His mother makes him a nice little sandwich and puts a little drink in the box. And when she leaves the house, she's all lovey-dovey with her husband. Bye, honey. Bye, honey. Love you. Can't wait till you get home. Bye, Shefala. Kissing Kepala. Right? He comes to school. He opens his box. He gets his cereal and everything. Life's amazing. Other kid comes. His mother didn't even get out of bed. She's depressed. Father's yelling at her. Why don't you take care of the kids? She's... She's yelling at him, don't come home tonight, I won't even see you. Poor kid's shaking over there. He doesn't have lunch, he doesn't have nothing. His sisters are hanging out, his undershirt is dirty. He's wearing two different socks, right? He comes to school in such a depression and such anxiety that, you know, pretty much he had to run to catch the bus. He's really thinking his father won't show up anymore in his life. He's freaking out, he comes to school. And he's in the same class with the kid who has, hi honey. And he's getting the same test. All 25 boys in my class get the same test, but their IQs are different. Their memories are different. Their family life is different. How could you give 25 kids that are so different the same test? Competition. It's just a competition. 25 kids taking the same test. Who's going to do better on the test? Each one of these kids should be getting a different test. Some kids read oral and some kids don't read oral. 100%. I'll tell you what I do, what, what I did. But anyway. Um, so, yes, what do you want to say? Modified? No, they have, have what? Have yeah, what are they going to do? Hire 25 Rebbies for the 25 kids? No, I mean, they want modified or I don't know, something. We're Greek. Like We're Greek. It's Greek. It's not, no one's doing that. Why can't so, modified test? So, let me tell you about modified. This girl came to my office about th- three years ago. And her mother was saying she's depressed and she's anxious. She was in high school. And she's not doing well in school. Maybe Rabbi Wallace can get her into a different school. So I said, okay, tell her to bring her report card. So I see her report card. I know what schools are going to take her, what they're not going to take her. Okay. She comes, nice kid with her report card. 97 in science. 95 in math. I never saw those. It took me three tests to get a 95. I don't mean to add them together, I got a 95. So, so I'm looking at this report card. I'm like, wow. Like, what's your problem? Like, you're doing amazing. She goes, the girl says, Rabbi Wallerstein, there's an M next to the... I said, okay, so you don't test well. Big deal. I said, I know what M, M is modified. She goes, no, M is moron. I said, what? She goes, M is moron. I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. So they put an M next to it to say, she's not really a 97 student. She's really a 20 student. But we modified it to 97. So what, that you did her a favor by putting an M? I said, what Russia... And I'm sorry, teachers, whoever's watching this. What Russia? The kid got a, got a, a 97? Why do you have to put modify next to it? For a shidduch? For me to know? Like, she got a 97. Okay, so you test her differently and you modified it. Who cares? Give her the 97. Why do you have to put the M? She thinks she's a moron. Why do you have to write failing on a test of a 7th grader when you gave the test, the, the, the kid got a 35? 
She doesn't know at this point that a 35... Excuse me, we can't have inter-conversations because of the camera. Not because of me. Don't blame her. Don't blame her. Let's not fight. We're good. Right? I feel like I'm in school. Um, so, hello? How does that work? Why, why, why do you have to write failing on a test paper of a 7th grader who knows that a 35 is failing? You just have to write it in red and then circle it in red. Like, what, what are we? Are we, what are we doing? We're just trying to hurt kids? Like, what? I know I got a 35. I know I failed. I need you to write a, a thing, a, a red circle on my report card. Like, why are you circling my marks? My parents can read it without the circle. So we have to, like, so yeah, it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I, as a Rebbe, so I went, first of all, I did mostly oral tests. So oral tests, I can ask each kid a question on the level that I think he is. So in a written test, you can't do that. Because you give me 20 questions, there's 20 questions. When you're talking oral, you say, okay, tell me this. Gamara says, I, I know his, his ability. You have to, before you give anyone a test, you have to spend some time with them. You don't give any test unless you're teaching them for at least a month. You know their abilities and their disabilities and whatever it is. And then you, you ask them questions a little bit maybe above or a little bit right, right there. That was number one. Number two, I, I gave a lot of extra points. Like if a kid... If I, had, if I gave a written test, because it was a test that was given, uh, and there was 20 questions, and he didn't do so well, so I gave him 40 extra points for writing his name on top. Or 20 extra points for writing Baruch Hashem, and spelling it right. Whatever it is, you, 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 we're not here to hurt kids. But it became, Yavon! It's a subject. It's a test. It's marked. She's valedictorian. She's wearing the gold medal. You're a dope. You don't get any awards. I've gone to graduation. Poor kid sitting there and he gets a monitor award. Like we're saying, he's stupid. Science award, English award, even a chesed. Pretty much when the kid gets a chesed award, everyone's like, no shit up for that girl. Chesed award, she's, that's, 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 a, that's a flunky award. And it became this whole competition and, and, and on your, you know, what school did you go to and and, and your resume, and where this, and how did she do, and was she the smartest in the class, what, where, who, how, what, Torah, the Torah, gave, Hashem gave us a Torah, this is a subject, he says, listen, you don't got enough subjects, on top of math, I want you to do Chumash, and then Gemara, what, what, what is this, this is something you have to love, once you're getting tested, and marked, so yes, every time I speak about this, like, so what, you don't want to give them tests, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything, the only reason they do something is for tests. If that's why you're doing it, you're never going to remember it. Never going to remember it. So that's what they did. They're like, yeah, go learn. You can go learn, but learn it as a subject. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to forget everything you learn. So we're not going to tell you not to learn. We're going to tell you yes to learn. Learn it as a subject. Because if they would have told them not to learn, they would have stopped and they wouldn't have let them learn, so then they wouldn't be learning it as a subject. They'd be learning it for the right reason. But this way, since it was a subject... Okay, the Greeks taught math, and they taught science, and they taught whatever else they taught, and they taught, then you can, then you can teach Torah too. But it, it's not working. It works for the very smart kids. But for the kids who are not so smart, it doesn't work. And you know what? So I, I said by the Aguda Convention many years ago, people thought it was a little weird. I said, you know what? Hashem gave me my brains. And he didn't give me, I don't have 165 IQ. He, that's the brains he gave me. So, so if on the left side of the report card, you got 100% an effort, right? Conduct, effort, interpersonal relationships, right? Absent, late, whatever. That side of the report card. So that 
you have to earn. The other side of the report card, I got, a, I got an 83 on math, but that's the brain God gave me. So it's not my marks, it's his marks. He gave me a dysfunctional, not me personally, he gave me a dysfunctional family. He gave me an IQ of 120. He gave me no memory. So the mark I got is his mark. So I said, rip, your, rip the report card in half. And the right side that has all the marks, fold it up, go to Israel, stick it in the cloister. I said, Hashem, here's your report card for me. It's his report card, it's not my report card. So you know what? When I was just now in Israel, I saw there's a bunch of report cards in the cloister. I don't know what's going on. There's so many people listening to my shirim. I'm kidding. I didn't see any report cards in the cloister. <laughs> but but that's, the tru- that's the truth. That's the truth. What's going on over here? So yeah. So But if you, but the principal said, Rabbi, if I open up a school with no tests, not, not one kid's going to come to my school. And then somebody in Chinuch said to me after I had this discussion with her, I guess you weren't a good student. I said, really? That's what you got from my whole speech? Well, if you were a good student and you got straight olives, you wouldn't be talking this way. And I said, you missed the point. Because if I was a good student, and I was a good student sometimes, certain subjects, um, it wouldn't make a difference to me. Because what about the kids sitting next to me? I said, I didn't grow up in your world, that's what I told her. That's all about me. I grew up in my world, it's all about him. And if it's all about him, it doesn't matter what I get on my report card. Like, what kind of chutz was that to say that? Like, oh, you might, oh, the bad students want, there shouldn't be tests. But the good students, they want tests. And you know what? The good students want tests. I want a test. How about extra credit? I want to get 125. Yeah? You want to get 125? The kid next to you is getting a 60? That's me, though. I'm not telling you to get a 60 because he's getting a 60. But hello, you have to show off that you got 125, he got a 60. So the, the whole thing doesn't really work. So there are schools that don't give tests. So yeah, when guys are learning in yeshiva, um, in base Medrash, there's no tests. But, on the other hand, in Kolel, there are tests. It's not a competition. It's in other words, if you want to get paid, which you're supposed to get paid, you're supposed to know certain things. And you, if you want to get smicha, you have to get a test because you have to know the answers to the questions. But the, the whole marks and, 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 and all that stuff, I'm Rebbe, I'm, I'm doing it. I, I, I can't give this kid, he's, he's not so smart. I can't give him the same test as this kid who's brilliant. It's not fair. Because really, the, the test is, if it's, in other words, I give everyone the same question, so it's competition. You got, he got 85%, but if 85% is the best he could do, he really got 100%. And if this guy got 85% and he can do 100%, then he got an 85%. This kid who got an 85 got 100%. And this, you understand what I'm saying? So, and if he could have gotten the extra credit, and he should have 125, and he only got 100, he only got a 75. Everyone has to be on their, on their level. But there's a lot of people that don't agree with me. They're like, if you don't give tests, you're not pushing the kids. I'm like, you got to push the kids. Give them rewards. Push them that way. Reward them. You do very well. There's nothing wrong with that. You say, well, Rebbe, it's not fair. This kid... We'll never get any rewards because he doesn't have the brains that this kid has. So give him rewards for a lower level than you're giving him. Free pizza? Free soda? We're going to do a special trip for the kids that did, or must meet them and did extra? Kids work. We as kids, it was all about stars on, the, on your chart. That's what we got. Green star, remember that? Green stars and then gold star. And then if you, ah, right, and that's, that was our reward. 
and, and, and kids work for rewards. You don't have to punish them. And we have to be much more sensitive to this competition in, in Klai Yisrael. And the resumes and the shidduchim, it's competition. You walk into a room, you feel like you have to be matched up to this girl, you have to look better than that girl, you have to be. This is not who we are. We're not... The Mishnah says, it's not even for you to finish the job. God is only interested in effort. That's all he wants, effort. Doesn't, you don't have to finish. You have to try. Which is, ties right into Hanukkah. How's it tie into Hanukkah? So we're going to answer the next question. And it's all going to tie in, Baruch Hashem. Listen to what he says. Okay, anyway. Anyway. To forget their Torah and to, to stop them from keeping mitzvahs. Separate. But you with your great pity. You stood up for them in their pain. You revenged them. You avenged them. You gave the mighty Greeks in the hands of the weak Jews. Many, many Greeks. A few Jews. The Tamadik Greeks. And the holy pure Jews, Rishon Biat Sadiqim, and the bad Greeks in the hands of the Sadiqim, Zaydim Yad Isisarusecha. Now listen carefully. Ulacha, Osis Hashem Agadal Akadish Balemach. And Hashem, you made your name great in the world. Ulamchi Yisrael Sisi Chukadel Fugan Kemazan. And us, you saved. The Acha came bow, Benechel Vive Secha. After we won the war, we came to the house, to the base of Migdash. Ufidu Sechalecha. We turned it over. We cleaned it. We made it tohar. And we lit the candles in the courtyard. And we made these eight days, Hallel and Haidah, and we thank Hashem for everything that He did. What's the big question here, everybody? It doesn't mention the miracle of the oil. It talks about the war. And then it says, and they came into the Beit HaMikdash, and they cleaned it up, and they lit the menorah, and it was only supposed to be for one day, and it lasted eight days, not, not a word. So you, if, you, if you didn't talk about the menorah, so I understand you didn't talk about the miracle, you're talking about the menorah. You're saying they came, they lit, and they made Hanukkah, and they thank Hashem. It seems to be that 100% they left this out on purpose. What's going on over here? Number one, what's the name of the holiday? What's Hanukkah stand for? Chanukah, they rested on the 25th. It has nothing to do with the candles. So you're naming, the, you're naming the, the, the name of the holiday. The name of the holiday is the essence of the holiday. Pesach, Hashem Pasach, Hashem passed all the doors. Purim, Hippopur, Muhammad made a, a poor, right? Shvuiz, this is seven weeks from Pesach to Shavuos. Sukkot, you're in a sukkah. So, the whole thing, if you ask any kid, what's the miracle of Hanukkah, what's he going to say? The candle's supposed to light for one day, it lasted for eight days. What's the miracle that we put in the window? The menorah. Why are you calling it Hanukkah? Why are you calling it Hanukkah Chafei? They rested on the 25th from the war. If the whole thing is the menorah, why don't we call it Hanukkah? Um, what do you call the menorah? Chanukiah, or um, mace, shemen, or, or nava, aura, something to do with candles and light and fire and the menorah. 
we don't say in the name of our holiday, it doesn't say anything about candles. But in, in the in the mitzvahs of the holiday, there's no mitzvah in remembering the war. None of us have a big Maccabee in front of our house holding a sword, like their holiday. We don't have no guy in the front of the house. So there's no celebration at all in Hanukkah in memory of the war. The latkes are oily in memory of the oil. The, the jelly donuts are oily in remember of the oil. So we don't do anything on Hanukkah to remember that we won the war. But we name the holiday Hanukkah. Listen, girls, you're doing this all these years. You, what are you doing? What are we doing? You're naming the Hanukkah, the, the war's over, and then the, that has nothing to do with what, what, what we do. Everything's oil, 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 oil. Right? Remember Ruth, last year I talked about my mother's um, latkes? My magical mother, my mother makes magic latkes. You don't remember? So a girl asked me, what's a magic latka? I said, you eat them one day and they burn eight. I didn't tell it to my mother, but I remember saying that to you last year. Anyway, so, so what's going on over here? What is Hanukkah? Is it a war? Or is it the menorah? If it's the menorah, why do you call it Hanukkah? If it's the war, why don't you celebrate the war? In Alanisim, it talks only about the war. Then it talks about the lighting of the candles. doesn't say there was any miracle. So we're going to close this year tonight, and next week you'll come back and give me the answers. No, that's not going to work. So what's going on over here? You're going into Hanukkah, nobody knows it's flying. Everything is an oxymoron, a paradox. Very, very special words to use when you speak. It's a paradox. The whole holiday is a paradox. What are we celebrating? Answer is amazing. I love amazing answers. The answer is like this. Two things happen. Alanisim. The candles burned for eight days. And we won the war. The war is the representation that Hashem loved us. Why? We're teeny five, five, five Maccabees and their father, old man, go to war against the Greek Empire, going against the United States Navy, Army, missiles, everything. The Greeks had the biggest army in the world. They, they, they conquered the world. Five Jews, six Jews. Hashem made this crazy miracle that we win the war, we're free from oppression, we're getting back our base on Megdash. He showed us his love. So when we name the holiday, we name it in memory of what Hashem did for us. We won the war. When we speak, when we talk to God in Benching and in Shona Esrei, we thank Hashem for what He did for us. Hashem says, no. I don't want a Maccabee in your front lawn. I want the world to know what you did for me. Not what I did for you. What did we do for you? So in Alanisim, we say, why do you say all these details? That we turned over, we cleaned it out, we made it tahar. Why are we saying that? Because the truth is, girls, that there's a halacha, which means that if everyone's tamay, you're allowed to use tamay goods. So really, being that all the Jews were tamay, we didn't have a paraduma, we didn't have a beis amigdash, they went to war, we, we were all tamay at that point. Like today, we're all tamay, because we don't have a beis amigdash to be metaharos. So, they didn't have to go look for a small can of oil. This is what did you say in Hebrew? Tuma chutra b'tzibur. 
Tomei, if everyone's Tomei, then the public, it's, it's a heter for the public to use Tomei. So, Lahalacha, we could have used any can of oil that was broken, the seal, the seal of the coin gadol was broken. Because they were all Tomei. Why didn't we? Why, and ain't same Chalalanes. You can't depend on a miracle. So, why didn't we use Tomei oil? Why didn't we? We were allowed to. It's not fair to go look for a little can of oil and say, Hashem, you make a miracle. Hashem says, you can use it. So why did we do that? Very deep answer. And the answer was that we just came out of, imagine coming Mashiach shows up, right? And it's the first time we have our base of Midrash and we're opening the base of Midrash. And all we have is Tomei oil. So I would be like, you don't want to start with Tomei oil, even though you're allowed to. Let's see, maybe we could find some oil that's pure so that our first time landing the manure for Hashem, we should be using pure oil. But you don't have to. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. But it's what I want to do. Because it's my Hashem. I don't want to use impure oil. I want to use pure oil. So in Alanisim, it says, and they went and they looked and they searched and they cleaned. Hashem said, my children did not have to do this. They could have used Tamei oil. By doing this, they showed me how much they love me. I don't, I don't, Dad, I don't want to give you impure oil. No, it's okay, it's okay. No, no, I know it's okay. But that's not what I want to give you. I want to give you the purest oil that I have. So Hashem said, I want you to tell the world till Mashiach comes. I want you to put it in your window. I want you to tell the world your love for me. And that's represented by lighting the menorah because they found a can of oil that, and in fact, it's brought down. There's a very famous question. I think it has 144 answers. Why you celebrate eight days, not seven? The first day wasn't a miracle. First day they had enough oil. So they had enough oil for one day and it burnt eight days. How many days were a miracle? Hello, wake up. I'm not only being in a room with dead people, I'm a Korean. Hello. If the first day was not a miracle, then there's, then there's only seven days, so why do you light eight days? Right, so there's like a hundred different reasons. One, that the Greeks, the Greeks didn't destroy the, didn't find that can and destroy it, then they would have had nothing. That when they poured the can, it refilled already on the first day. That they didn't know it would last for eight days, so they only put one-eighth of oil in, so it would be a little bit every day, and it lit the whole time. The way, whatever, there's many answers, many, many, many answers, but there is one answer that says there was no can of oil. There was no little can of oil. Because Hashem saw that the Jews were looking for a can to give him something pure, he created it on the first day. So therefore, even the first day had a miracle. The miracle of the first day is the can of oil. There was no can of oil. Yes. There's many different machlokuses. No, it doesn't. No. In one of the ten things created Ben Hashemoshes and Pekayavos, it's not there. From Abraham Avinu, from Ganeiden, but not everyone agrees with that. And how did it get from Ganeiden into the base of Migdash? At that time, the first day, that day of Hanukkah. So, so, what we learn from this is that if a person wants to really give us, what? Pachshem from Yaakov, 
but there's not everyone agrees that some of them were that that either that it was created that day or it was brought to that it wasn't there and it was brought to, it was brought to the base of English that day. Why was so, the niece of the Menorah in in what? We get we're getting there we're getting there. So so. I'll end, uh, the nace of the menorah, we did for God. We, when you have a marriage between a husband and wife, the husband's not supposed to say, you know what I did for you? And she's like, no. You know what I, you know what I did for, my, for, for, for you? And, and the wife said, you know what I did for you? No. Each one is supposed to say the opposite. You know what you did for me? That's amazing what you did for me. No, it's amazing what you did for me. So we say... Wow, it's amazing, Hashem, what you did for me. You, you won the war. You freed us. Hashem said, no, 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 it's not what I did for you. It's what you did for me. So when we're talking about Alanisha, we're talking to Hashem, we don't talk about the miracle of eight days because we forced that to happen. So we're sort of saying like, you know what I did for you, Hashem? I went looking for the, this oil, and that's why we did, the miracle happened. So we don't talk about it. We just say, we lit, we lift, we lit, we lit it, have a good day. No miracle. We didn't do anything for you, Hashem. When we're talking to Hashem, we're saying, Hashem, look at the war you did for us. When Hashem says, what I want you to do on, on, on Hanukkah, He says, I don't want to talk about what I did for you. No, Maka be in the front lawn, what I did for you. I want to talk about what you did for me. Put the menorah in the window, because that you did for me. That's the answer to that. That's the answer to that question. And that's the Alhanisim, that's the two miracles. What we do learn from here is, that if you do a mitzvah with purity, even though you could get away with not having to do it, even the halacha, the end of the day, it will cause the Kishbosh to do miracles for you. Everybody has to pick a mitzvah that's your mitzvah. Like, let's say mincha every day, whatever it is. I don't miss mincha, and I'm davening mincha, not because I have to, I'm a woman. I'm not mechaev to daven mincha. I'm not mechaev to daven mincha every day. But I'm doing it because I love you and I want to give you something very pure. So yes, I don't have to daven. Yes, I could get away with not davening, Mincha. But I want to do something for you that's pure. I want to give you something that's pure. That's on a whole different level than, than doing the things that you have to do. And that's, and, and, and we see from here that, and I talk about this, that if you really want to do the right thing, Hashem will create a miracle to create it that it'll be there. Even if it's not there. But you have to really want to do the right thing. And that's what Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael said, we're not, we're, not, we're not lighting Tamei oil. We're just not doing it. We're not opening up for Hashem. We're not doing that. We're not, we'll, we'll, we'll split it into eight, one-eighth, and it won't, last, it won't last every single day. Now, Hashem said like this. You could have used a can of oil that was Tamei, and therefore I wouldn't have to do a miracle. But because you didn't, and you emptied out the can, and it's only supposed to last for one day. I should say, for one second, let's think about this for a minute. You did this because you didn't want to use Tamei oil. You wanted to give something pure to me. And now I'm going to let it go dark for seven days? Imagine what they, what they did. And now, for the next seven days, there's no landing of the menorah because they used one can of oil, and that's it. There was no, there was no miracle. It would have been lit for one night, and then the next seven days would be dark. Christ would have been very depressed. They don't have a menorah. Because Brokha said, you did this for me? No problem. I'm going to make it light eight days. There's another very beautiful tarot, which is such an important answer to the question of why eight days, why not seven? The first day wasn't a miracle. So one of the answers is very deep, and the answer is, on the first day, 
was celebrating the miracle of Teva, of nature. Was celebrating the miracle that oil burns. The other seven days, right? But water doesn't burn, orange juice doesn't burn, prune juice doesn't burn, grape juice doesn't burn. Oil burns. So we take it for granted. So we're like, why, why, do I need, why do we need eight days? It should only be seven days. The first day is not a miracle. What, what is Teva? What is nature? Is as big a miracle? Is something that's supposed to go out that lasts another seven days? We take things for granted. You think, well, let's see. Seven days, it lasted. That's a miracle. The Chacham said, no, the first day is just as big a miracle. That oil burns is just as big a miracle that is important to seven days. Don't take anything for granted. That was the mistake that, that, that Leah did. When Leah had Yehuda, she called him Yehuda, Oida Hashem. She thanked Hashem. Why? Because there were four, there were four Imos, right? There were four Bila, Zilpa, Leah, Rachel. Now, if, if there's 12 kids going to come, that means there's going to be three for each one. The minute she had a fourth, she realized, I'm going to have more than each one. So now I have to thank Hashem. She got punished. She stopped giving birth. Why? Because you think having four, the fourth one is any more than having the first one? You have to appreciate the first one as much as the fourth one. You have an extra one, but the regular one is just as important as the extra one. So she got punished. Why are you waiting until the fourth one to thank me? Should have called the first one Yehuda. So, so they're saying something very deeper. They're saying that the first day that oil burns is just as great as the other seven days. And therefore you have to celebrate eight days. Hakar Satov. It's a, it's a thing on Hakar Satov and that don't take nature, uh, the, the Goyim put mother nature in nature. Nature is Hashem, just as much that oil burns as that the other seven days it didn't burn. Okay. So that's my Hanukkah little speech today. Now let's talk about the Parsha, my favorite Parsha. So we got some new stuff that I never spoke about before. Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik. So he's hated by his brothers. Because... He spoke Lashon Har on them, whatever it is. But it says here that Hunar is B'nai Bila, that's B'nai Zilpah. He was very close to B'nai Bila and B'nai Zilpah, Pasig Beis. Listen to this Rashi. It's B'nai Bila. What was Yosef hanging around with the children of Bila? He was from Rachel. Kilaimah to tell us. Ruggel Eitzel B'nei Bila, he used to hang around all the time with the children of Bila. Why? Because the other brothers made fun of them. Because they were the children of Shifchas. Zopah and Bila. Who? Mekarven. And he was Mekarev them. Okay? So he had this nature that he helped the dawn trout and people, the people who were made fun of, the people who were, felt bad, the people who weren't equal. That was Yosef from when he was a little boy. He hung around with B'nai Bila. Now it happens to be, there's a very fascinating Rashi, because when he got up and said, the second dream, he said, I'll just read it to you from inside. And he said, I had another dream. He said, The sun and the moon, and 11 other stars bowed down to me. Now, 
who was the sun and the moon? So the sun, the sun was Yaakov, and who's the moon? We think the moon was Rachel. But Yaakov realized that the brothers at this point were really hated him, and he wanted to try to talk them out of hating him so much. So he said, guys, it's a silly dream. It's not true. And the, the brother said, how do you know, Dad, it's not true? He said, because Rachel's not alive. So how could she bow down to him? Okay, got it? But the truth was that he knew that the dream was true. How do we know that Yaakov knew that one day everyone's going to bow down to Yosef? And that's why he didn't believe that he was dead. Says Rashi something brilliant. That he went ahead and he told the brothers, listen to this, that the dream, he said, but your mother died. Right? He didn't know that Bila, who brought up Yosef, I didn't know this, Bila, who brought up Yosef after Rachel died, he was a little kid, who brought him up after Rachel died? Bila brought him up. And therefore, the dream really did come true. You're right, Rachel didn't bow down because Rachel wasn't alive. But Bila bowed down. And Bila was considered like his mother. Why? Because she brought him up. So we see from here that a person who brings up a child even if it's not the real mother, the Torah considers the real mother. We also see that from where it says, Asnas Bas Potifera. Asnas was not the daughter of Potifera. Asnas was the daughter of Dina from the abuse of Shechem, became pregnant Dina, and she had Asnas. So why are you calling her in the Torah Asnas Bas Potifera? Because Potifera brought her up. She was sent down to Mitzrayim. So we see that when a person adopts a child, or doesn't even adopt a child, but takes care of a child, they're considered like they're their child. All right. The point that I want to make, which I've made many times, I'm not going to say over my Yosef Shir. I said it a million times. But there is something that I saw that I want to talk about. It's a chida. It's a very important chida. So number one, something I want to repeat from Charlie Horari. Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim, Potiphar buys, buys him, Right? There are two places in the Torah. Where's the other one? Ah. There are two places in the Torah where a person in the Torah is called an Ishmatzliach. Person who had atzlacha. What do you consider, girls, a person who had atzlacha? A guy who got married, a guy who's rich, a guy who's a rabbi. What, what would you consider if I gave you a, a report tonight to write? Who do you think in this world is considered matzliach? Right? What would you write? So the Torah tells us. But he Hashem as Yosef, Hashem was with Yosef. But he Ishmatzliach, he was an Ishmatzliach. Vayar Adonov, his master saw, ki Hashem ito, that Hashem was with him. Vachal Hashem who oseh, Hashem Matzliach biyadno. Repeats it. And everything that he did was Matzliach. So we see that the Torah considers a person matzliach, a person who's with God. But he Hashem is Yosef, but he is matzliach. But I don't know if he Hashem ito. He saw that God is with Yosef, 
and everything he did is matzliach. So we see from the Torah that what's considered a person who's matzliach, a person who's connected and close to God is called an ish matzliach. Where else do you see that? Anyone here have any idea where else you see, who else is called an ish matzliach? Where else do you see that word matzliach in the Torah? I'll tell you where. Pashish Chayisara. In Pashish Chayisara, Eliezer meets Rivka Again, I told you this whole thing. She rushed, she rushed, she rushed, she rushed. Like Abraham Avinu, rush, rush, rush. And he was, he was astounded. He, 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 he waited to see Did God make him, did he become a, a matzliach or not? What was what, what is the translation of that? In other words, if this is the right girl, Hashem is with me, then I'm an Ishmatzliach. It's not the right girl, and then Hashem didn't keep, didn't, didn't do what I asked him to do, then I'm not an Ishmatzliach. We see here very, very much that a person that's Matzliach in this world is a person who is connected to a Baruch Now, I'm, I'm not going into the whole Potifa thing. I'm not going there. But, But at the end, so so he runs away from her. Listen carefully. He came to the house to go to work. There was no men in that. There was nobody in the house. Just him and Potiphar's wife was a setup. But she grabbed onto his clothing. Leim was saying, lay with me. What did he do? Vayazov, big dobiado. Everyone seems to think that he ran out. She was grabbed onto his clothing, so when he ran out, she ripped it off him. Literally, that's not what the pasuk says. The pasuk says he took it off and he left it in her hands. Vayazov, big dobiado. He left his his jacket in her hands. Vayonas vayetze and he ran out. Okay, so far everyone's following. Why do we need to know this? Then she grabbed his she grabbed his jacket. Then he took his jacket off. You're not telling me all the details exactly what happened in the room in that story. Why are you picking on the detail of she grabbed onto his clothing and then he took off his jacket? Who cares? It's not what we're worried about. And the pussy goes on and tells us more. When he saw when when she saw that he left that he took off his jacket. And he left it in his hand. She, she ran out. Okay? So for some reason, there's a trigger here. And when he took his jacket off and he gave it to her, she said, now that's it, we're done. Now I'm going to say that he raped me and he attacked me and he killed me and he did all this thing to me and I'm going to put him in jail. I'm going to get, ah. What happened all of a sudden? You want to, you want to sleep with him. You're trying to seduce him. What happened all of a sudden? You're running out and telling everybody, put him away. Look what this guy did to me. Because he took his jacket off? She ran out or he ran out? He ran, then she ran. First possible is he ran. 
But he kiroisa ki other big There's the second part is when she saw that he left his clothing. she ran out and told everybody, "Oh my gosh, look what he's doing to me! What did he try to do to me? What?" Well, we're going to get to it very deep. And then she goes out by tickle anche beso. She tells everyone, "Look what he did to me! He he came to sleep with me and I." But he kiroisa and she said to everyone. And then when he heard. When he heard me scream, he left Etsli. He left his jacket by me, so nobody ripped anything. And the following passage, we're still talking about his jacket. She took his jacket and put it next to her. Do you really, anyone in this room care? She hung it up. She sent it to the cleaners. She put it next to her. Why do we care if she put it next to her? Ad bo adonov el beso. And she left it next to her jacket until the master came home. Her husband. Girls, what's going on over here? What's, who cares about his jacket? And why would she put it next to her until the master comes home? What? His jacket? Make him jealous? She's screaming. He attacked me. He tried to do this and that to me. You really think that's what's going to bother him? Oh, he left his jacket here. He needs to be punished. He's a bad guy. He took his coat off. Come on. That's nothing to do with anything. So, huh? So he sure does. No. So there's a chidah. And the chidah is, and we'll end with this. Ready? 10.25. The chidah is amazing. This is very important in all lives, especially coming into Hanukkah. The Greeks, the Romans, were very into body, physical. Olympics, the Romans were into very bad stuff, physical stuff. All the pleasures of the body, they were very into the shininess of the world. How you dress, how you look, money. They built amphitheaters. Yosef Batsade thought that you could have both. You can have Gashmias and you can have Ruchmias and your Gashmias, your physical world, life, won't affect your spiritual life. It's very holy. The jacket, the beged, in, in, in Kabbalah, in, we call the beged of a person his body. Your, 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 your materialistic world is your beged. He thought you can have both. He realized that he was in a situation right now where he was about to do the biggest Avera and the whole world would have been destroyed. Why? Because he was good looking and he brushed his hair and he looked in the mirror and he took care of how he looked. And this woman was attracted to him. And he realized, I made a huge mistake. You can't have both. If you want to live in the spiritual world, you can have a little bit of materialism, but you can't live in the material, in the fashions and the, and the beauty and, and the beauty of the Greeks and the Romans, all that beauty and beauty and beauty, you can't have both. That's why real Torah, you're supposed to just have water and bread. You can't. The more, more physical you are, the less spiritual. The more spiritual you are, the less physical. So, that's what he thought. But the Sheyu Bevigdoi, the Chidah the, says she was the Satan. She couldn't get Yosef's spiritual side. 
She couldn't grab on. You can't grab onto a neshama. Neshama is so holy, such a fire. The satan can't touch a neshama. But when the neshama has clothing and fashion and all the stuff around it, that's the Yitzhahara's world. That he can grab on. But the Sheu Bevigdoi, she said, I can't get the, the internal Yosef HaTzadik. I can't get to him. He's Yosef HaTzadik. He's the fire. He's Akavavinu. He's Adam. You call me, you're here? You're getting dressed nice? I'll get you by that. When he was about to do that, he said, how did I fall here? How did Yosef Atzali fall into a position that he's in a room with a woman about to do such a sin? He said, I know what's wrong. I know what I have to do. I have to get rid of, I have to shed my physical world. So he took the beged off. He took the physical part of his life off. And he put it down. And the Sultan realized at that point, if I can't get him in the spiritual world. I can only get him in the physical world. Now that he took that off, I'm never going to get to sleep with him. I'm never going to get to do the Aveira. So she ran out and started screaming. I'm not, I'm, he's not coming back. Every day she tried to seduce him. And she didn't get him. So this day he ran out. I'll get him tomorrow. I'll get him tomorrow. I'll seduce him again next time. My husband's at home. But once he took the beggar off, she's never going to get him. So that's when she started screaming. Because she realized, I'm not going to get him. But, says the Chidah, the Satan said, I didn't get Yosef, but I still own your physical world. And therefore, he translates this Pasuk. Vatanach bigdo etzla. And the Satan put the phys- physicality next to him. Adbo Adonov Elbeso, until the master comes home to his house, until Mashiach, until the master Hashem comes back to the base of Migdash, I own you if you live in my physical world. And that won't change until Mashiach. And therefore, we have to remove ourselves as much as we can from the materialistic world. And that was Hedonism, and that was Greek, and that was Roman, and that's where we have to separate ourselves on Hanukkah and walk away from the assimilation. We don't have to look like them. We don't have to do our nails like them, do our hair like them, get dressed like them, do everything else like them. We don't have to listen to their music. We don't have to do that. But as long as we do that, the Satan has a way to grab us. He can't grab our spirituality. He'll burn himself, but he can grab our physicality. He can, he can grab our materialistic world. This week's Pasha, Yosef said, not me, I'm out. You're not getting me. I'm shedding my physical world. But the Sutton said, I still own it. And if you're going to step into it, I own you. And that's the Yeshua that we need to have till the, till the, till the, till the Master comes home. It's a beautiful Pasuk. Until the Master comes home. So we should be zeicher that this Hanukkah, or even tomorrow, or even this minute, the Master should come home and take back the clothing, the jacket that Yosef HaTzadik shed, and that we'll be able to live in a world of where physical, spiritual Mashiach is here. There's no Yetzirah, there's no Satan. It's just, it's just the two of them melding together for good, for doing mitzvahs, for, for beauty, in the, in the ways of serving Hashem. Thank you. There's no shear next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.